I want to thank Buddy last week. Uh, awesome message. I listened to it twice on podcast, and it was very, very good. Really appreciate you. <clears throat> uh, and it was really, it was really cool to uh, to be able to spend time with our family. Uh, Trinity had a volleyball tournament, <clears throat> which is basically a lot of volleyball and about ten times more whistles blown. <laughs> so we hear whistles in our sleep now from from listening to tournaments. But it was really good to be able to spend time with our family and, and support her in that. It was really cool. Um, man, I don't, I, don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how other pastors can focus after, after worship sometimes. It's kind of hard <clears throat> to kind of gang your bearings. Um, what I did, I, I kind of I took away some really good, deep, deep, profound truths from Buddy's message as well as I eat cereal because I'm American. <laughs> And so I love I love the fact that that uh, that we can have a sense of humor, and we, but we can also hear some really really good things from one another and bring so much more to the table. And one of the things that really stuck out to me in Buddy's message was was kind of talking about Paul and all the, the things he had built himself up with, and how much uh, how much faith he had previously had in in his standing in his right standing and being a Pharisee and, and persecuting the church, all the things that he felt like uh, gave him merit. Um, and he counted them all as, as loss or as dung or poop <laughs> compared to knowing Christ. Uh, and so I kind of I, I kind of springboard off of that, and I used a hashtag in my title too. So boom, hashtag. He had hashtag goals. I got hashtag no filter. So what I did was uh, one of the, one of the most popular hashtags is no filter on like Instagram. And the reason is I think people had gotten kind of tired of seeing all these fake pictures from the perfect angle with all these filters and. It's like, look, your family doesn't really look like that. <laughs> they're not, they aren't smiling that much. You know what I mean? I, I've got family, and I love action pictures. I love the pictures when Bill would take pictures of us. I would want to keep all the ones of us, you know, messing up, like the ones of chaos. It's like, this is the reality. This is, this is where, where, we, where we find life, and, and we enjoy it. And even when I'm, I'm into photography and videography some, and that's just my style. I like ca- capturing moments and, and not posed pictures. If, if you ask me to pose for a picture, you'll probably see me. Most of the time, I just give a dumb look because that's I like to just mess up those pictures and so I just don't like I don't like a lot of the the and not that not that if you pose for a picture being fake but I just like real I just like I like authenticity and uh I desire it so much that I'm obnoxious sometimes and Tracy has to correct me Justin you're being a jerk yes I know so but I really do I really like the I really like real even before I got saved I was pretty good at, at pointing out people that were fake and especially church people you know, when I was lost, I thought they were all fake um, because a few that I ran into that I saw that were that way. And, and uh, kind of kind of fast forwarding to now, I've, I've realized that there there is definitely some authenticity in church, especially our church, and I'm thankful for it. There is, uh, there's a reality that we live and function within that is not us just putting on a show for other people. We're not trying to create some uh, image of our church or ourselves to each other that's not real. I mean, we're not. Um, one of the one of the prerequisites for me to preach here is you have to give your testimony first. If you're going to preach, you got to give your testimony. And I think that there's several things that that is beneficial. It's beneficial to the person because they get to share their life with other people, and, and we grow from that. It's beneficial to the people because they get to know the person speaking to them. They know what they're about, um, and they know who they are, and, and they can actually receive from them after they know who they are. And I think it's very important um, that we are just re- absolutely real with one another, that we're transparent. Um, so, hashtag no filter, if you want a trendy title for this. 
Um, we're going to be in Ephesians 3. I'm going to read through and then I'm going to talk about a few things. And then, uh, and then I don't know what we're going to do after that. We'll just have to see. <laughs> we go to Ephesians 3 1 is where we're going to start. And uh, I'm reading from NIV. You can read from whatever you want, but that's just that's kind of where I cut my teeth. So that's where I go to. Trace, can you throw me that water bottle real quick? I'm already getting kind of dry. Thank you. Ephesians 3 1 says, For this reason I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of, <laughs> for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the uh, administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working out of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of Lord's people, all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are, which are your glory. Verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray to you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's a lot to take in. <laughs> I'm going to try to go back through and hit some highlights. Basically, Paul is saying, look, I came to give you the good news that, it's, that, it's for, that this good news, this gospel is for Gentiles too. It's for everybody. And he, he also tries to express that he didn't get this just through man's knowledge but through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and through the leading of the Holy Spirit in and through him. He says that basically God made it aware to him the mystery that is Christ Jesus. That's a pretty radical thing to say. He says that, uh, he says that, that God's grace was a gift. He says it was revealed by the Spirit. He says uh, that, he, uh, that this was accomplished in and through Christ. All these things uh, that he prays for us that Christ may dwell in and through our hearts. Um, one of the key words that really stick out to me, probably because I like cars, is manifold. If any of you are familiar with an with a automobile, 
um, a manifold is, you have an intake and exhaust manifold. Is anybody familiar with, with automobiles? There's intake and exhaust manifolds. They're basically ports, several ports, depending on how many cylinders there are. I'm going to try not to get you too lost in this, but there are lots of different ports, but they all come together for the same purpose of the engine may run. So you get air through some and exhaust goes out the others. So basically there's an intake and an exhaust. And so it's kind of like our R&D thing. But the cool thing is there's several of them that come together that make one thing happen. I love that because in church, and Brian said this, I think last, I'm sure it was last year, last year sometime, because we haven't been in this year very long. But he said that we're, the church is a living, breathing organism that we, we communicate with each other. It's not just me up here, it's you guys too. So what I love about our manifold, uh, the truth of our R&D is that we come together, several different people all going in the same direction, helping this whole thing run. And so I love the, the, the kind of picture, word picture of that. But what he does is he says, look, all of this is rooted and established in love. Now this is Paul saying that all of this is rooted, rooted and established in love. Do you remember what happened to Paul? How did he get to where he is? How did, how did he go from Saul to Paul? Anybody know? Do what? A flash. What? A flashback. A flashbang. A flashbang. Yeah. Now, I, I, I kind of want to go here, and we're, I don't want to hang out here too long, but this is kind of a weird thing that happened to Saul, right? This isn't like, a, hey, come, and I'm going to teach you the ways of Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean? Christ said, bam, I'm in your face. Something radical happened. There was an encounter that happened. And I think it's interesting because we, and I think especially in our, in our culture, we see a lot of messed up things, and we see a lot of things that are mimicked and faked. And so we write everything off as though it's fake. The, the whole hashtag no filter thing, social media can be a great tool, but it can, be, it can, be, it can kind of hurt too because it can get us a little more distant at times. Because what we think we see going on is not really what's going on. I can tell you last year I saw at least three families that I thought were perfect fall apart. Because all I knew of them was what I saw on social media. I'm not saying they were, that they were trying to be fake. I think they probably desired for everything to be well. But they weren't. But I didn't know. <laughs> Listen, there's... <clears throat> There's been encounters that I've had and I've seen that God has moved and done some things that you would say, Justin, that kind of freaked me out. <laughs> and I would agree. Yeah, it kind of freaked me out too. And there are times that I've seen and know, and there are times that I don't know, but there are times I've seen and known where people have either mimicked or faked something in an attempt to either feel something or conjure something up. And many of us have experienced that. But we can't write off the, the real because we've experienced fake. And here's why. Well, there's lots of reasons why. One reason is people don't counterfeit fake money. They counterfeit real money. <laughs> when something miraculous happens, a lot of times people try to counterfeit it. Some with ill intentions, malicious people will do that, and you'll see that within the church, the big C church body. You'll see that where people will take advantage of people using, using the church as a, as a buffer. There's other times where people will try to manufacture things that they've experienced in the past by repeating the things that they have done where they've seen these things happen. Does that make sense? We see things like revivals and, and these big meetings where people try to push things into, put, kind of push God into doing something for them. And we joke around sometimes within leadership like it's King Kong, like beating the drums until God comes. Um, we know that that's not how God operates, evidenced by Scripture. 
We don't run around cutting ourselves and screaming out. We, we rest in knowing that God is with us. We know that he is. But there's something very radical, and, and every time I come in here, and it's not just here, it's other places too, and Tracy's bad about it when she's driving. She gets tickets and stuff because she'll start worshiping, and her, for some reason her foot gets heavy. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> she starts worshiping, and man, she's like, hey, you got to calm down. <laughs> but there are times... <laughs> There are times when we, when, we, when we focus on the Lord, when the Lord begins to move in us, right? There is, there is something that is completely illogical about love. When you focus on someone and you, and you get this feeling that messes you up, that's the only way I can describe it, it kind of messes you up, it's not always logical, <laughs> right? I, I use this as an example. There was, uh, there's a, a good friend of mine that... Um, his, and this mirrors a little bit of Tracy and I and the whole puppy story, but his wife wanted a puppy, and he kept asking me, well, he wanted an Australian Shepherd because we have an Australian Shepherd. He was asking me all these questions about him. I said, why are you asking me all these questions? He's like, well, my wife wants a puppy. I don't want a puppy. We don't have time. We're busy, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. So he starts sending me pictures of these puppies, and I was like, what do you want from me? <laughs> I don't know what you want. Get a puppy, don't get a puppy. I don't know. What, what do you want? He's like, well, she wants one. I don't really want one. And, I was like, well, do you, do you love her? And he doesn't like talking about love. This is one of my friends is just like, I don't know, I'm a manly man. I don't want to talk about love. I was like, well, if you love her and she wants a puppy, get her a puppy. It's not logical. It's going to poop everywhere. It's going to be horrible. It's okay. Embrace it. But you're doing it because you care for her. It's not logic. It's not, you don't have to quantify this. If, if you care for her and she, that's what she wants, then do it. It's not a big deal. But, but this is the type of person that breaks everything down like in detail, one of my, he's one of my car friends, so everything he breaks down in detail, he wants to know how it works and functions and everything. And so I'm like, look, man, I, know, I understand. I understand that you're trying to break this down, but you just got to throw it out the window. Um, and so we've had some conversations like this. What's interesting is, as I was telling him about this, I began to realize that was one of the reasons I came to Christ. I couldn't quantify love and affection. I really struggled with it. Like, I really struggled with, well, if... if what, what purpose does, does me caring about anything have to do with anything? If, it's, if there is no God and there is no purpose in any of this, then what difference does any of it make? I mean, it, it kind of really brought me to closer to my, to my end uh, with trying to figure out this whole life thing. But what, what I find is that you can try your best to quantify love. And just like Trinity giving me a hug this morning, I, don't, I, can't, I can't quantify. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I love her. And I can't tell you... What things, what things would take place for me to make sure that she knew that? Because I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. We could, we could, what if that thing to death? It's just like anything else we do in life. But we can't, we can't always wrap our minds around what love looks like. And the good thing is, we don't have to. We don't have to. Christ demonstrated it for us. He said, look, this is what love looks like. It's selfless. It looks after the other person. It looks after the other person's needs above our own. And so here's where we get mixed up. So then we go, okay, well, I need to look at other people's needs above my own so that I can love. See what happened there? I flipped it. I said, I need to do these things so that I can love. No, that comes from a place of love. Let's talk about Bruce Lee. Let's change gears. Huh? Yeah, you got a puppy. He sent me a picture of it on his chest the other day. I was like, you sucker. All right. <laughs> so listen. Uh, oh, there's more to that story, but I don't want to go there. But yes, he did get the puppy. It's a cute puppy. Anyway. Um, let's, let's talk about Bruce Lee for a minute. I grew up 
most of you guys know my history. I grew up fighting a lot. Just the area that we lived in was kind of rough, and we fought a lot. I didn't like getting punched in the face, so I tried my best to learn to punch other people in the face before they punched me. It did well for a while, but I watched Karate Kid, like most of us did in the 80s and 90s, um, and I thought, well, I need to learn karate because then I can defend myself against all these bullies. And so I went. Uh, we couldn't afford karate, but my mom's boss at the time kind of sponsored me, bought pads and everything, and, and paid for me to go to karate. And we're learning all these different things and these moves, and you go through these, uh, I'm trying to remember what they're called. You go through the, the motions. Based, kata, kata, that's it. Yeah, you go through the motions, and you go, and you turn around, and you do all these things. And basically, they teach you, you know, if someone comes at you with A, B, and C, you defend with, you know, A, B, and C on this end. And if someone comes at you this way, you defend this way. Kind of wax on, wax off. Similar, but not exactly the same. But there's, there was a formula, basically, that we followed, and we would go through the motions of doing this, these things. But I want to tell you, even in the process of learning karate, I would still get in fights at school, and karate just didn't work. It flat out didn't work. I would get punched in the... I would, no, you have to stand like this and do this. It's like uh, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> grab, grab the wrist. No, my wrist. No, the other wrist. <laughs> okay, now I can defend it. You know what I mean? And so it's going through these motions. If you, if you do this, then I do that, right? And so that's what karate was, and I didn't know any different, but I realized this doesn't work. Well, Bruce Lee saw the same thing. Uh, I just, I found, you guys ever find yourself in a black hole of videos where you watch one and it starts just recommending other ones and you're just like, I can't stop watching these videos. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> I don't know how I ended up on Bruce Lee, but I watched a mini documentary on Bruce Lee on YouTube. <laughs> Very interesting though, and what I found was, listen, you can find, if your eyes are open, you can, you can find the gospel in lots of different things. And what I found was the gospel in Bruce Lee. I'm, trust me, I'll bridge this gap and you're going to love it. Or you'll crucify me. I don't know what you're going to do. All right, so... Uh, so anyway, so I started, I started seeing this, and what he was talking about, he said, look, he grew up in Hong Kong fighting in the streets, and he, he came to the conclusion that the karate that was traditional from the Chinese culture didn't work. He would fight people that had knives, and he'd fight people in the streets, and sometimes karate didn't work. So he went all the way to the orange, origins, which was, I think it's called, G, I actually know that because I studied it. I really studied this stuff because I was curious. It's called Jeet Kune Do. And it was basically the origin of a lot of karate that's, that broke up into like taekwondo and different things. So he actually went back to the root of it, which was really cool, um, and realized that there's, there's a better way. And his way, is he called his the form that has no form. So what he would do is he would adjust to everything, and that's why people couldn't defend themselves against him because he would just react in different ways. There was no A, B, and C. They would come with A, B, and C, and he would just <laughs> hit them with like the rest of the alphabet, <laughs> you know, in, in no particular order. I mean, it was... It was like, I'm, I'm fighting to win. And, and some of the things that he said and some of the statements that, that struck me in this little mini documentary that I watched, he said, when I watched karate, they, at the time, back then, this was, I guess, in the 60s or 70s, and back then they would have uh, karate tournaments where they would, like you'd see in Karate Kid, where it was on hypothetical blows more. If you got here, you, wouldn't, you, you would probably hit them. But he was like, that, would you or wouldn't you kind of thing. At the same time, he would say, look, what I see in karate is... Karate tries to strike fear in your opponent and admiration from your peers or, or people to look good. So it has a lot of show. If you ever see them go, hi-ya, and they move and they make all these big, big movements. And he, he said he took all the fluff away. He took all the hi and moving back. And he gets in real close with people and he would fight them that way. I thought that was really interesting. He also got criticized really harshly from the Chinese community because he was letting the Chinese culture, he was changing what they saw as Chinese culture and he was sharing it with Western civilization. He was letting, you know, Americans, he was teaching them. Anybody that would come, he would teach. 
And so he would teach them, you know, what he was doing. He also got into movies, different things like that. But what I found interesting is a lot of this, when I saw it played out on this video, I was like, this is like really cool. This is the same thing Jesus did. When Jesus came, he messed up all the traditions, came in and, and wrecked all that stuff, went back to the origins of what it meant and created a form that didn't really have any form. It was from the heart. It wasn't A, B, and C. Don't just do this, this, and this. You adapt and you adjust. That's why all of his miracles look different. He didn't spit in mud with everyone. He didn't tell everyone to go wash. He, he, didn't, he didn't do the same things over and over again. Why? Because everyone's different. Everyone's different. These are the, some of the conversations I have with my other friend. When he's like, he gives me a scenario and wants me to, to judge the scenario. And I'm like, I can't judge the scenario because I don't know these people in your made-up story. And he was like, it shouldn't matter. It does, it very much matters. It matters the most. Because if there's not love involved, then we're just, we're just doing A, B, and C. Break the wrist, walk away. <laughs> Break the wrist, walk away. We're just, we're just trying to, to have an outer shell of something with nothing going on inside. Now, here's, here's what we have to be careful, especially in our, in our community of, of, of grace and understanding the truth about grace and the gospel. We don't need to be grace uh, Pharisees either. We don't need to look at it because we look at it and we say, well, all these religious people and all these religious people and all these Pharisees and all these different things. Listen, you know who Paul was? <laughs> Do you know who Paul was? Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible and Paul was a Pharisee. Hello? Listen, I, I, can't, I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to go through and tell you all the, the, the things about God calling people who he saw them as not murderers and adulterers. When he said, look, David, you're, you're a man after my own heart. He didn't say you're a man kind of after my heart because you <laughs> plotted to kill <laughs> this person and you were an adulterer. But here's the cool thing. He, he didn't put any filters on this either. No, hashtag no filters. God didn't need to tell us all that. Why did, he did need to tell us that. <laughs> he actually did need to tell us that. Why? Why did God need to tell us all the ugly things in the Bible? Why do you think that is? He needed us to see that he could relate to us in that way and that his redemption and his love was, was woven within the midst of it all. He was right in the middle with them. And so he called things the way that he saw them, not the way that everyone else saw them. We've got to be careful that we don't create these boxes and these pictures and these images of what church looks like, what people look like. We've got all these ideas that we think we've got it all figured out. I 100% promise you right now today, January, whatever day it is, you don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. And I promise you, if you think you do, you're going to have some surprises <laughs> sooner than later. I speak from experience there. Listen, when, when, you, when you try to put into practice something that you, you don't really mean, you will be called out pretty quickly for being fake. There, there were times early on in my Christian journey where I tried to, the whole kind of fake it till you make it thing, I tried to fake it. And it... It breaks my heart that through those seasons, I didn't see Christ trying to, to draw me to see how he saw things. Because it wasn't that I cared about people, it was that I feared him. And that's not his intention. It was never his intention. I'm getting away. I'm, I'm kind of getting off my stuff here. I'm not getting off, but I'm just getting off my notes. Um, going back to Paul. This is what Buddy talked about last week, Philippians 3, 4. It's really towards the end of 4, but uh, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, 
Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law of faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And uh, some, some versions say poop. <laughs> I consider it all poop. You can quote me on that. What he's saying is, listen, I thought I had it, I thought it, had it all figured out intellectually, but now that I know Christ, I know that there's even much deeper knowing than just knowing. <laughs> listen, I, there, was, there was a time, and I, this goes across the board. I'm not trying to talk to just certain people. There was a time, especially after I got saved and I was asked to be a youth pastor at the previous church that we attended, I remember being intimidated and I remember praying to God, Lord, I, I don't know scripture like other people know scripture. I can't remember this stuff. I'm just, I'm, you know, I've got ADD. I, I can't focus. I'm not going to, this won't work. And, and what the Lord revealed to me in a dream one night, or woke me up in, in more of a vision, I guess, is he showed me a picture of, of, of an engine of all things. He showed me a picture of an engine and I could tell you the engine code on that engine. I could tell you all the details about that engine. And what he revealed to me was, I can remember what I want to remember. He, he, he wasn't being a jerk about it. He was just saying, yeah, you can. He, he was just showing me what I really cared about. It didn't mean that it was bad. I still, I still get into cars and stuff like that. But he revealed to me, what I care about, I'll remember, and I'll be able to function within those parameters. Now, I say that because I don't want to discourage those that think that they're, they're less than or they're ignorant. Listen, if you think that you don't know enough, the Lord will meet you right where you are and he will help you. He will help you discover these things. What, what the world may call ignorant, he may want to teach nations with you. Listen, <clears throat> this, this hits hard because it's always, and I'm not, this is, this is always in the back of my head and, you know, all, all you guys you know, help me with that a lot, but it's always in the back of my head that I'm, you know, I dropped out of high school and I don't have a college education and, and I find myself in positions, especially amongst a lot of very intelligent people and other pastors and other leaders and even in, my work, in the workplace, most of, most of my colleagues are all very, very well educated, very, <clears throat> very intelligent people. And as much confidence as I have in the Lord and I know that he has in me, <clears throat> there's always in the back of my head this this little bit that, that tells me that I'm not good enough. I'm not saying that to, for you to, you know, for you to feel bad for me. But I want to encourage you that listen. He has continually and constantly reassures me of my calling and my purpose in this life. And I say that because He does the same thing to you. And it really frustrates me that the enemy tries to mimic what God does and try to create doubt in people. And I'm I'm not immune to it, obviously but tries to create doubt in you and tries to, tries to make you think that it wasn't real. Did that really happen? Was it real? You're not good enough. That's what the enemy tries to tell you. You can't do this. Look, look at your history. Look at your past. Look at your, your family tree. Look at your lineage. That's what the enemy tries to tell you. And listen, God is constantly whispering, I know who you are. Just like you did with David, you are a man after my own heart. I know what you've done. We were talking about this morning, I heard another pastor say it too, that 
you know, David would not be on any deacon board <laughs> in any church in Mobile. He would not be an elder. He would be completely unqualified. Right? And God says, you're a man after my own heart. God, he killed, uh, he had a man arranged to be killed. Do you understand what he did? And God says, no, I know him, and I know that he's a man after my own. I, I'm not limited by his mistakes in the past, but I have a great future for him, and I'm going to call it out to him, and I'm going to draw it out from within him. And that's what he's doing to you. And I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear that today. The enemy will try to mock it and mimic it and say it didn't really happen and it wasn't real. But God's telling you it did happen and it is very real. So take that, whoever needed to hear that, there it is. Um, God uses no filter. <laughs> um, most of us, especially the younger generation, have, have grown up around social media or pretty ingrained with social media from Snapchat to to uh, Instagram and different things like that. And even now, a lot of, our kids like to watch YouTube and they'll watch a lot of reality TV, which what's funny is a lot of reality TV isn't really even reality TV anymore. Most of it's fake too, but there are some that's real. And so I think even now the, the kids, they want authenticity. I think they always have, but now we have access to a lot more of it. They're, everybody's got a camera on their cell phone, and so there's these, these real things where I get caught in a lot of these videos because I'll start watching these videos and it's real life happening all around us and you can see it all over the place. But there's the the funny thing I was I was watching. There's a show that I like, and they're super politically incorrect. I mean, real, real politically incorrect. And I love that show. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. You can catch me afterwards. I'll privately tell you. But I don't want to. It's 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 funny. It's a car show. But um, but what's funny is I love the show because they're not limited by they're not being fake. They're being real. Um, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, it's real. And I think that, and I'm not trying to make a political stand by any means, but I think that's why a lot of people are really drawn to Trump because it doesn't matter if you like him or hate him, you know what he's thinking because <laughs> he's going to say it. <laughs> and I think that's what we want. We, we desire real. We want something real. We want to know what people are thinking. We don't want to be fake. We don't want to just see behind the screen that everything's perfect and pretty. We want to know if it's messed up. We want to know if it's broken. We need to know these things. This is why we have to be careful and I'm not trying to paint social media in a bad light. I love social media. Just like Reinhard Bonnke calls it, it's another pulpit. Use it. Blast the good news on social media. Be careful not to treat it as though it's the reality because it's not necessarily. It's, it's, very, it's a lot easier to portray a different image on there than not. So just be careful with that. Don't create distance in relationships because of social media because somebody didn't like something or does, you know what I mean? Just deal with that. Just deal with that. Um, The kind of going back to the Bruce Lee thing, he silenced a lot of his opponents because he would beat them up. <laughs> his, it worked. Like, they, they found the Chinese. I, I watched this in the video. They were criticizing him about sharing this, and they said, well, if you want to start sharing uh, your version of Kung Fu or, or Gung Fu, whatever he called it, Jeet Kune Do, he said, you have to beat our top guy. And so they flew this guy out, the, the top uh, Chinese martial artist, and his wife told the story. Uh, he married an American. His wife told the story of the fight, she said, it wasn't many people there, it was just me and a couple other people. And he said, she said, basically, uh, Bruce Lee chased this guy around for three minutes until he caught him and just beat him down. <laughs> and, he, and then after that, they said, okay, you can teach whoever you want. 
And so what, what I found interesting about that is the proof was in the pudding, right? Like, I will know what you believe by how you live your life, not the other way around. Don't try to create a life that looks like you're a good person. Receive love from the Lord and give it to other people, and the fruit of that will be loving other people. It'll be very natural. It'll be like breathing. And the cool thing is you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll start seeing goofy things like the gospel in Bruce Lee. <laughs> you'll begin to see in people's lives God working in and through them. Your eyes will be open to that. Now, here's what you have to do. <laughs> here's what you have to do to, um, to take away any, any preconception of what that looks like in your life. That sounds easy, but that can be pretty difficult. Because I'm 40, I think I'm 41. I'm 41. And I've seen, I've seen all kinds of different things. You know, being in, being in and through church and different, different churches and different revivals and different areas. And here's what I found. <clears throat> this, is t- this is all tough, man. I'm tackling some tough stuff. I've seen people that have been radically healed. Um, I've seen people get up out of wheelchairs and walk after 23 and a half years. Many of you have seen too. And I, I've also seen people that have not been healed and I've seen the love that has been poured out on those people. And there's, that's, no, that's no small thing. I heard a, a pastor just said this on, on, on social media the other day. Um, that he was in a healing service and so there are people up front getting healed of things and what we would call small things, I guess, like hearing and different things. And they were giving testimony and everybody's getting excited. And it was good, and they made their way to the back, and there was a young man in a wheelchair, uh, young, almost teens or preteens, and uh, and the father was next to him, and they began to pray for him, and he was not healed that day. And the, the kind of crowd that was around him began to migrate back forward, and they began to pray for the people. Well, he said his attention, for some reason, was just on this young man in the back, but what he recognized was the father going to his, this young man and getting on his knees in front of him and just spending some time with him and talking to him and praying with him and kind of talking him down. Because his, his, what they thought they needed in a miracle right there did not happen. But there was still a miracle happening. There was a father loving his son in that moment. And he said, and this pastor was really good, very touching. He said, we need to be careful that we don't miss those. Don't miss those, don't miss those things that, that we think may be small that are huge. There are people that would dream of a father that would be right there next to him to build them up after such a letdown of something that they expected to happen to not happen. Now, people say, well, well, then do you believe in healing? Well, yeah, of course I believe in healing. Why would I not believe in healing? Do I fully understand it? Heck no. I don't fully understand it. I don't know why God heals this person and not this person. I don't, I don't have a clue. I wish I did. But it, it's something else, buddy. I, I don't mean to keep talking you up, but give you the big head. You have to wobble out of here. Uh, something else Buddy said a long time ago uh, in one of his previous messages, too, was we don't need to get caught up on the things that we don't understand about God. Um, we need to, we need to, I'll butcher your quote, but basically we need to uh, have faith in the things that we do understand about God. And there are things that we understand about God that greatly outweigh the things that we don't understand about Him. We don't need to get caught up in those things. Those things can become distractions. Um, when God moves, things happen. Uh, like I said earlier, some, some will try to mimic the things when they see them, when God moves, and some simply respond to God moving. Listen, if God moves, it's not like he's, we know that he's not entering and exiting and we're like, hey, come here, we miss you. We know he's with us all the time, but there are times when God moves in you. Now listen, <laughs> there are times when God will move in and through you in a worship service, 
in a Piggly Wiggly. Do we have Piggly Wigglies anymore? In Bucky's. Bucky's is the new place. In Bucky's. Um, there's times when God will move you in a grocery store, in a, in a restaurant. There are times when God will, will prompt you and will move you to do something that is a little, can be a little out of the ordinary. Some, not always. It may be something simple with your family or, or something really that we think would be small, which is huge. But there are times when God will move in and through you. Be careful that you don't try to, if you do, if you do, if you do feel this and something happens, listen, I've seen it too many times and I just want to be careful with this. Don't try to mimic it over and over again. If you pray a prayer and for some miraculous reason God heals someone or this person gets saved, don't write that down. Don't write down what you prayed. Don't, don't think about where you are or how it all happened because I, it probably will never happen in that way again. You were just a part of something bigger happening in that moment. Allow yourself to be a part of it and move on and be a part of another one later on. Please hear me when I say that. That has been detrimental in a lot of the streams that I've, I've, I've been a part of is that people will try to, try to conjure up and make things happen. God makes things happen. We just respond to it. Sorry, I had to stand up for that one. That's, that's, about as, that's about as excited as I get. I stood up off my stool. But, uh, uh, just like I, I referenced Moses and Aaron threw down the staff, and it became a snake. You all know the story. And then the magicians threw down two, and theirs became snakes. Um, and they, they actually mimicked several other after that. Be careful that you don't call all of them magicians. Because <laughs> God told them to throw a staff down, and it turned into a snake. That's not normal. <laughs> okay. We don't do that. Yes? Actually, in Egypt it was. Oh, it was? Okay. There's a snake in Egypt. It's not normal in our culture. There's a snake in Egypt that if you hold the nerve on the back of its uh, head, it will stiffen up. And they would paint their staffs to look like the snakes. And so they would carry these staffs around. They would carry these staffs around. And then when it was time to do their magic trick, they would grab the snake, hold it a certain way, and throw it down. The difference is Moses's really was a staff. Oh, okay. And so when his staff ate the other snakes, that <laughs> threw their because they're they're like everybody knows this trick. This is a magic trick. We all do it. It's in Abbott's magic catalog in Colon, Michigan. You can still <laughs> buy that magic trick <laughs> two thousand years later. But when Moses staff ate the other and then he was able to pick it up immediately, and it was a staff. God was demonstrating not only were the, the because the court magicians of Pharaoh, a lot of the things that they did are the things stage magicians do today. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it was normal for um, snakes to turn into, or for staffs to turn into snakes, and vice versa. What wasn't normal was, was for real? The, was, was for real. them to eat other snakes for the snap <laughs> yeah. to eat a, and then and then actually turn back into a piece of wood because they would there was a way of, of ditching it so that you know right uh, slide of hand slide of hand and Moses clearly couldn't have done slide of hand and that really messed with the court magicians well that's and and that's the whole thing even with the Bruce Lee thing the proof is in the pudding we can't we can't wash away the real because of something that's fake or we can't we can't call things because we've seen people mimic those things as though the real things aren't real. And so I think that, that we just have to be careful with that, that we don't get jaded, I guess, a little bit, if, if that's the correct term, to 
to the miraculous, whether it's what we would consider small or large, small or large, large, <laughs> small or large. That's with an O. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I want to try to add something just short. Something God's been dealing with me a lot the last week, or, or really over quite a long period of time lately, is um, listening to what He says today, and not just doing what I did before. It's the same thing as like Moses when he hit the, when he when he hit the rock the first time the water came out and then God told him to speak to the rock and he hit the rock instead. We cannot relate to God on autopilot. We can't develop when we start developing a habits we walk away from relationship. And God's always wanting to tell us what he wants us to do today. He does things different. I was that was what I was thinking of this week when I said if we're asking God to speak to us and he speaks to us out of a burning bush we'll be turning to look. And my wife's like, that sounds kind of mean. I wasn't trying to be mean. I'm just saying, God will do something different just to throw you off to make you come back to say, oh, God, you're talking to me. So I think right. I th it's all about relationship. He wants us to listen to his voice in every circumstance and not do autopilot. Churches, denominations, a lot of times are built out of, we learn how to do this. This is how we do this. And they write a book about it. They teach a seminar on it. And they don't foster the relationship of listening to God for every situation. Right. And then we question if God's listening to our prayers, if we pray too. I've seen several instances within our church and outside of our church where I've had some really hard conversations with people um, about, <clears throat> you know, if what will move God, if if this doesn't move God's heart, what will? Kind of like a prayer thing. If this desperate prayer of a mother crying out for her son doesn't move God's heart, what will? And what we discovered over time is we can't determine whether God's moved or not. I think God's moved at every prayer that we have. It's just because the our perceived outcome didn't happen in the way or the timeline that we thought. It doesn't mean that God doesn't hear our prayers or that he's not working. We've seen that over and over again. God is working, and he for sure hears our prayers. For sure, without a shadow of a doubt. I will, if you want me to drive a stake in the ground about anything, I'll tell you that right now. God hears your prayers, and he is moved by them. I promise you. He is a very relational God, and he hears you. Now, what we have to do is we've got, we can't try to limit um, God to our perspective of his reality, right? We don't, we don't drag God down here and go, okay, well, God can only do what I see in the way that I see it. We have to see things from his perspective. Yes. Um, it kind of reminds me, like, uh, well, um, you know, in the book of Daniel. Yeah, it's me. No. Um, <laughs> the book of me. It's convenient that, no. I wish it wasn't. Anyway, whatever. But it's in there, like, uh, like the, the whole concept of, like, the Daniel fast. Like, um, da Daniel, I almost said David. Um, Daniel was praying these things out for, I forget what the story was, but he was praying this thing, and for 21 days, he was just really kind of, <laughs> kind of bummed out that, you know, and, you know, he, he fasted and just kind of, you know, was like, I'm just gonna pray and pray and pray, and then the angel finally showed up with God's answer, and he's like, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I've been trying to get to you for three weeks, but there was, there was a whole lot of stuff going on in, in the, in the spirit, you know, he really had to fight to get there, so I, I, I say that to say, I don't, you know, when we say, like, God is good all the time, you know, it's, it's not God's will that any should, you know, like, God is always, his heart is always to heal, his heart is always to do these things. I don't think so much, I think sometimes it may be God delaying things. I think sometimes it's just, you know, there, not that God is, like, weaker than the enemy, but, I mean, there is, there is an element of sometimes there is stuff happening, and it just takes time because there's got to be, not work by us necessarily, but there's got to be, like, work done in the spirit. There's got to be, um, you know, I don't know, stuff's got to move around. 
Well, there's, th- there's things yeah. that we can't see. Yeah. We are, physically we're limited by time and space, but in the spirit we're not. So there's, there are things that we haven't, fully, we don't fully understand. And so the, the time I think that it takes, we don't know what's going on f- yeah. fully. I mean, and sometimes, I mean, that may look like, I mean, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't fast, like fasting, we don't fast to get God's attention. We fast to, you know, it's, to some degree it can be, you know, spiritual warfare. It's, there's involvement on our part and there may be waiting involved, but, yeah. you know. So there's <clears throat> the the interesting thing is within relationship with God and relationship with people, He creates this this atmosphere where He even tells us, "Look, confess your sins one to another." And so when He when He 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 wants us to build relationships and be real and be authentic in everything that we do. So when He tells us to confess our sins one to another, it's beneficial to everybody involved. And we've talked about this before. It's beneficial to the one confessing because now it's out in the open and they can deal with it. It's good that the other people hear it because somebody else might be dealing with something. Even if it's not that thing, then now they feel they feel the weight lifted so that they can communicate now and, and they can tell you what's going on with them. Now, here's a, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. I heard a, a pastor tell this story. His son was, was struggling with pornography, and he told his dad about it. And his, so his dad said, and this, his dad was a pastor, and he said, look, he said, well, let's talk. And, and really good, I love the way the dad did this. Um, I would hope that I would, I would do it similarly, but... He said, well, well, let's talk about it. What do you, what do you think would help this situation? He said, he said what do you, was there a trigger, something prompted? He said, well, he said, I've got a TV in my room, and I, I saw something on there that kind of made me think about something. That, that may be where it started. And he said, what do you want to do? He said, well, well, Dad, maybe I could take the TV out of my room. He said, well, okay, we'll take the TV out of your room. So took the TV out of the room. A couple weeks later, something else came up, and, and he said, you know, what do you think you do? And so they, they tackled a couple little things trying to fix it, and he still, the, the kid still had the issue, and and so the father prayed about it because he was like, I don't, I don't really know what to tell him. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to figure all this out. And so he said, he, he said when he was praying about it, the Lord told him, hey, uh, tell your son I really, you know, I really feel like he needs to confess this to the whole family at dinner tonight. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, that's cool. And so he did. He came to his son. He said, hey, he said, you know, this is completely up to you, but this is what I prayed about it, and this is what the Lord, feel like the Lord is telling me, you know, to tell you. But he, he said, you know, it's up to you. And so the son did it that night at dinner to the whole family, just told him. And listen, here's the, this, here's the cool thing. None of that family were against him. None of them shamed him or tried to make him feel guilty. They all wanted to help him. And once it was out in the open, they began to deal with it. And he said it was maybe, there was still about a month or two after that that they were still working through things. And he came back to his dad and he said, you know what, dad? He said, I haven't really struggled with that in a long time. And I don't, I didn't even, I don't even know why. And he said he feels like part of it was that once it was out in the open and, and he it was it was opened up that the the family now had opportunity to pray for him in that situation. They didn't even know how to pray before, and also now that he knew that they knew it, then he could. It wasn't hidden, and he wasn't trying to drive. It, what happens a lot of times with hidden things like that? It drives you deeper into that because you think that you can't be loved. You, you're it's not going to work out, you know. And it's all it's just going to get much darker and much much deeper. Um, and so by confessing our sins one to another, this is why it's so beneficial. That's that's being real. That's being that's that's no filters. That's like, hey, I'm putting it all out there. I'm dealing with some things. I've done some things. <laughs> we talked about on Wednesday nights. I've done some things. So there's 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 a there's something really important about us sharing with one another some of the things that we deal with and going through life. And listen, if you need to talk to God about it, talk to God about it. He's fully aware of what's going on. Sometimes you just need to hear it. All right, stand up. I went over a little bit. Sorry, not sorry.
<clears throat> Father, I thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you that, um, Lord, that when we come in here, we, we are not trying to conjure you up as though you've been distant. Lord, we, we walk in here with your presence and we thank you that you move within us and through us to other people. Father, I pray that you continue to give us um, your heart, your compassion, your love for people. Lord, give us uh, your insight to other people's situations so that we can, we can come to a place where we can love them and help them in every situation that they deal with in life. Lord, uh, this, is a, uh, this can be a tough thing sometimes if we're trying really hard to do it, but it's not that tough if we just receive it from you. So, Father, I pray that, that we would be an, an R&D church in here, Lord, that we would just receive um, everything that you have for us, and it would work in and through us, Lord, and we would just pour it out to everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen.